And so while that you guys are standing, we're going to go right into the Gospel of Matthew chapter 13. The Gospel of Matthew chapter 13. And we're going to be reading the first uh, nine verses. I'm going to be reading from the New International Version, but you're more than welcome to follow along in any translation that you have available. But we also have provided this on the screens behind me. It'll just be a total of two slides, verses one through nine. And then I'll share the subject that I would like to uh, speak around. Matthew 13, beginning at verse one, we read this in the name of the Father, the Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And the church says, amen. It says, that same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Must be awesome to preach like that. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop 160 or 30 times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Amen. Amen. I want to preach from a subject called Seeds and Soils. Seeds and Soils. And you may be seated. Seeds and Soils. Wow. Uh, whoever has ears. That's how Jesus ends this um, verbal illustration. Whoever has ears. Everyone touch your ears. Whoever has ears. Jesus says, let them hear. Um, once again, thank you, Dwelling Place Church, for, for, for partaking in, in, in the vision, partaking in our mission as, as, as a community. And I want to I also just acknowledge the, those that are, are being committed and faithful and, and, and making themselves available for, for that work. Um, if there's anything that we learned in all these years of ministry is that God can do anything but he, he, he often chooses to do that through those who make themselves available. And certainly, rocks can cry out, but that's not the Lord's preference. That's a good thing to understand. God, a rock can cry out and, 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 and worship the Lord. That doesn't mean that God prefers for rocks to cry out. The rock's only crying out because the children, the children did it. If you've been paying attention in the Bible study, the only reason why Amos was called was because he was a rock that cried out because look, they silenced the voice of the other prophets. Um, but it's a beautiful thing for, for people to um, endure, endure in the faith. It's a beautiful thing to, to, to not just get up when everyone's getting up and say, amen, I'm there, but to, but to still do that when when others fade into the, to the background 
And so, in many ways, thank you, Dwelling Place Church, for, for, for getting up and enduring and persevering. This is, a, this is a beautiful thing in the kingdom of God. And so the fact that you're here, the fact that you're, you're enduring is something very beautiful. So seeds and soils, uh, we're not in a series of necessarily, but what we have been doing is journeying through um, the Gospels and focusing on what did it look like or what did it mean for Christ to enter into the world. And so uh, our salvation had a starting point, amen? There was, there was a plan. That, uh, this is fascinating. Uh, the salvation that you and I have today uh, began with a plan of God. It's not a chance that we're saved. It's not a hope that we're saved. But it was a deliberate plan of the Lord to save us. And so we, 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 we come into that beautiful picture and, and we, we, we come into that plan of God through the person of Jesus when he enters the world on a real timeline. On a real timeline, he enters into the world. And so over the past couple of weeks, we've, we've described it using the words that, the gospel, that, that Matthew said when he saw Jesus, when he saw Jesus enter into the world and he starts moving uh, in the areas and in the regions that he's ministering in and where he's having compassion, Matthew, the gospel writer, says he sees that. He sees where Jesus is physically at. And he's able to connect that to the words of the prophet Isaiah that said a light would dawn in this area. And so again, Matthew knows that it's not a coincidence. Isaiah knows that it's a prophetic word. There's a prophetic word of salvation coming. Now what we've learned through the voice of the prophets is that sure there's going to be a purification. There there needs to be, look, a purification to, to, to bring out a faithful remnant. There needs to be a purification, look, in all of our lives to, to burn away all that which is not of the Lord and not of his will in our lives. But look, to bring about that which he intended by the creation of their lives. And so while p- the process of purification, sure, it could burn, but ultimately is to bring about something genuine, something true, something real, something God intended. And most of us don't, wouldn't like purification or a process that purifies us, but it's something for us to embrace and to be welcome. Imagine including that into our prayers, not just, Lord, bless me and heal me and give me the job and give me the raise and I need a new car. I'm not saying don't do that, but imagine if the prayers began with, purify me, oh Lord, burn away, Lord, all the wickedness, and it's not just to, to, to burn away so God's right and we're wrong. It's because much of that impurity in us does hurt us. Come on, man. Who's lived a little bit? Who's, who, who's gotten to do what they wanted to do? And in the end, that thing is the thing that hurts you. God, so it's in God's wisdom that he wants to purify. It's in God's goodness that he wants to purify. Because when we get what we want after the, you know, the initial taste, it's bad. It destroys. And so, yes, it's, it's, it's a beautiful way to describe, look, Jesus, right, the, the, the promised Messiah to come. It's a beautiful way to present him as a light has dawned. The gospel of John says 
that, 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 that he's, he's, he's the light that's come into the world. He's the light that's shine, that is trying to shine in the darkness. A light has come. And so now when Jesus comes and he enters into this real time, and, and the announcement is being made, John the Baptist, we saw this. When he sees Jesus, what does he say? Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of this world. And, and so John is seeing Jesus as, as uh, he's, he's describing him metaphorically as a lamb that will take away the sins of the world before he sees Jesus shedding blood on that cross. So it's not a coincidence that these men are seeing, they're seeing salvation coming. But the question is, once we see it or once it's announced and it's like someone points that out to us, then what do we expect? What do we expect? Salvation has come. A light has come. Hope is coming. What does that all mean? It sounds right. You know, like light is coming. This is good. A light has dawned. This is good. Uh, Light is coming into the darkness. This is good. But what does it mean? What does it mean that a light has come? And so as Jesus is walking and and, and he's been pointed out and, 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 you know, he's being pointed out at his baptism, the heavens stare open and a voice from the heavens says, Behold, my, 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 my son, my beloved son, in whom I'm well pleased. I mean, the voice of men is speaking, but the voice of God is speaking, identifying Jesus too. And so Jesus then starts to move, not just in word, but also in deed. And his words are powerful, and they, they, they transform. People feel his words. There's, look, there's glory on his words, meaning there's, there's weight. There's, there's weight when he speaks. And when you read the gospels, the writers are saying from the crowds, and, 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 and no one ever heard someone that spoke like this. And, and they're amazed at the weight of his words, but they're also amazed at the weight of his hand, because while his word can bring freedom, so does his hand. And he places his hand on a sick person, and they're liberated. And they're healed, and those that are tormented with, with strongholds, demonic oppression, spiritual wickedness binding them, Jesus is able to liberate that captive. And then when Jesus gets up and he begins his ministry, he opens up from the scroll of Isaiah, and he reads from the portion that says that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me for such purposes. And, and so here's, here's the light. Here's the, here's the dawn. Here's the light coming into the darkness. And so... He begins to move in in words, and he begins to move in deeds. And then here's where the crowd comes. Here's where the crowd comes. And we actually get in the Gospels where Jesus will give personal invitations for people to to follow. And and he gives personal invitations to take people from their their day-to-day life into, look, partaking and working for the kingdom. He takes these men. He gives an invitation to men who are fishermen and says, now I invite you to, to fish for, for real men. I'll make you fishers of men. But that does cost something, right? That'll cost them changing their lives, altering their lives, altering their plans. But as we read, we start to see that those men are there, but, 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 but crowds are there. And and they're not just seeing miracles, but they're, they're hearing his words. They're seeing his miracles, but they're also hearing his words. And now everyone's trying to figure out, who is this Jesus? Is he, is he, 
Is he really the one? But then what do we learn when sometimes Jesus doesn't meet the expectation that got created? Say, okay, this is the light. Okay, so now you're telling me this is the light. So in my mind, light is supposed to do this, right? You're saying this is a lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Okay, so then that lamb is supposed to do this. We're saying that he's the Messiah. Okay, so that Messiah is supposed to do this. But what you come across when reading the Gospels is that now there's expectation of, of, there's expectation of light, there's expectation of Messiah, there's expectation, right, of all these things. But then what we, what we read is this, what happens when Jesus doesn't meet the expectation that got created? And we even see John the Baptist, who's, who declared him to be the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. When, 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 when John gets put into prison with a, with a death sentence over him, in, 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 in that pressure, even John the Baptist says, are you the one or should we wait for another? And Jesus' response to John the Baptist is, hey, man, eyes are seen. And then he starts to just tell him, reaffirms, yes, he's the one. And so we got this crowd now that's there. And they're all listening. All the crowd is listening. But what you realize is that the crowd is there, but they're all not listening for the same reason. And so a crowd is good, but a, but, but a crowd is really just a crowd. I know sometimes we get, when you start to get a couple of followers, you're like, this is good. <laughs> the whole crowd that's following is now all listening for the same reasons. And so now Jesus has a crowd. They're not all there for the same reasons, but Jesus is there for, for a reason, right? Jesus is there for a reason. Jesus is not confused, of the crowd, he's not confused over what he's supposed to do. He's not confused over mission. He's not confused over purpose. Jesus is not confused over his reason for being there. But the crowd is not all there for all the same reasons. And so that's, that's, that's a good question to ask. Like, why am I here? I mean, in anything that you do, why are you part of the crowd that you're part of? If you follow something, why are you, why are you there? Like, why, why are you in association to this group of followers? I'm sure if you explore that, that could, you know, that's, that's, that's just good thought for you in your personal life, for all the things. Look, for all the crowds that you associate yourself to, here's a good question. Why are we here in the context of church? That's a great question. That's a really good question that you could also explore. Why am I part of this crowd? Why did I get up this morning? That's a good question. Well, look, well, we got up because the Lord graced us. Amen. Praise the Lord. He put the breath in our lungs. But why did you get dressed? Why did you comb your hair? Maybe you comb your hair every day. So not, you know, what I mean is why did you come here? Let's say, why did you come into fellowship of a church community? Why are you here right now? Why you don't just... Why did, you, why did you come to worship? Why did you become part of the crowd in worship? That's a good question to ask. Why you didn't leave after worship finished? I'm glad you did it. <laughs> that would be really awkward. People would just, I wouldn't be surprised. There's somebody in church history that they <laughs> sneak in and then sneak out. I don't know. Um, so 
why are you here right now? Why are we here right now? Well, it's not a trick question, right? We're here. We prayed. Matt prayed. I prayed. God, help us prepare our hearts so we can hear, hear from you. We, we're here right now because we believe that church creates an environment for us to come and worship the Lord, but then also to hear from him. And that's, those two things are very, very important. I mean, if you go to the church down the road, they're not, we're not going to do everything the same, but I, could, I wouldn't be afraid to bet some money, though I wouldn't, that they worshiped and they made time for the word. And if you drove 15 miles down the road and went into a church, it, it, that will look very, that might feel different than this church, but I'm sure in there, they had some kind of worship and, 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 and moment where they opened the word of God. And if you go back 10 years ago, there's some element of worship and opening the word of God. If you go back 100 years ago, if you go back 2,000 years ago to the first churches, there was an element of worship and opening the word. So, so what does that tell you? That this is the right thing to do. I, I wasn't questioning you as if it was the wrong thing to be here. It's the right thing to do. It's the right thing to do. So in many ways, we're all in the, in, in the right place at the right time. So were these crowds who surrounded themselves around Jesus. No better place to be. I mean, like, right, you're part of the crowd that is right with Jesus. How many people would give something if you could be part of that crowd? Amen. I think all of us in some kind of way, like, man, I, I, I wish I was part of that crowd. But here's the thing. Trust me, God knew that it was better for us to be part of this crowd. And so I'm just going to trust the Lord and his sovereignty that as much as I've wanted to be part of that crowd, God knew that it was better for us to be part of this crowd. But nonetheless, we believe that that God is the same God and that son is the same son and that son that had a mission to save then is on a mission to save now. And so this is why 2,000 years later, you and I can come in that same spirit and worship that same God in and, and, and hopes of that same salvation. So now here's the question. Why, why are we in this crowd? And, and what's interesting is there were people that made up that crowd, but they were all not there for the same reason. And here's the thing. Some of that people in that crowd got it. They got it. They, they, they received the revelation of whether that was him preaching the kingdom, whether he was giving words of life, he was giving out these parables. Some, some, of, some of them got it, but not everyone in the crowd did. And then what ends up happening where we get to, Jesus tells a parable about, about this. He tells a parable of, of, about this. And then you know what happens? He tells this parable. And so if, you don't, if you're unfamiliar with a parable, a parable for Jesus was something that he, he liked to do. You, you'll read several parables. Sometimes you could get chapters. It's just like parable after parable. But it was something that Jesus incorporated into his teaching, was, which became, it was a visual illustration. It's kind of like how we use props today. I think David is going to take a gold medal this year in TDP history. If you were here 10 years ago, we'll be competing back to back. 
I don't do props anymore. I outdone them. <laughs> I don't do props anymore. But I, right? So, but in, in, in this time, Jesus would use parables, and they served like sermon props. They were, they were stories that, that Jesus would tell that would create pictures, pictures that the people could understand. They weren't crazy secrets that you needed ancient, you know, wisdom from I don't know where. Like, but he would tell these stories that became sermon illustrations, and it was to help, look, it was to help convey what he was trying to teach. But it was a creative way that allowed, through the illustration, it allowed the hearer, it allowed the listener to think, to get the, the, to get the mind to fire to process, but ultimately to get to that which Jesus was trying to teach. And someone might say, well, why don't you just, Jesus, just say what you're trying to say. Sometimes it's a beautiful journey when our minds, look, are invited to think and to process something from another angle. And so this is what Jesus would do. He would, he would tell these stories, and look, and for the person that really wanted to hear this, this allowed them to take that beautiful journey as they were receiving beautiful truths of Jesus' kingdom. And so we read, right, verses 1 through 9. And immediately after that, you want to know what happens? His disciples, right? There's a crowd. His disciples are there. But remember, there, there's a crowd there. The crowd got so big that what Jesus ended up doing was he was by the shore, it tells us, by the Sea of Galilee. And so he decided that he would get on a boat. And then the, the boat got pushed off, off the shore where, for, far enough where, where the boat became like his pulpit. And now the crowd is on the shore and Jesus is on the boat. This would literally create for nice acoustics. But, um, but, but this is the scene. Can you see it? The crowd is there. His disciples are there, right? He goes onto a boat. He pushes out a little further back out into the sea. And, and, and now this is... This is the church setting that he has. And so then he tells the parable. And at the end of it, he says, whoever has ears, let them hear. I could imagine, like, everyone, like, you got that? Because <laughs> I did it. You know, like, I could imagine a little chatter that went back and forth. I could imagine someone say, yeah, yeah, that's really good. And they don't even know. Like, they just high-five in their neighbor, praise God. High five the neighbor and like deep down inside they know they, they didn't get it. You ever been there? Don't act like you never. You knew. Sometimes you didn't get it. Sometimes you just didn't hear it. Like your your phone buzzed beside you and now you gotta accommodate that. Your phone's ringing and like everyone's like praise the Lord. You're like praise God. Holy holy Lord. Like sometimes your pain attention intently and you prayed that you would get it and you didn't you ever been there so jesus tells this parable and what's awesome is that his when he's done i could imagine the, the, the boat coming back and then his disciples ask him why why do you speak to us in in parables and then Jesus could just say, hey, this is a cool way to get the mind going, <laughs> you know, this is just a cool illustration. I, I, 
You know, he could have made something. He was a carpenter. He could have built something. But he liked the, the parables. We never read that Jesus built something to then do. But he, he liked the parables. He could have just said, oh, this is a, just a good way. People are visual learners and stuff like that. And this helps them. He doesn't say that, though. In part, all of that is true. We're visual learners and it's good. But he doesn't say that. You know what Jesus decides to do? Like Jesus always does. He goes and he quotes some prophet. It's like, it's like Jesus is. And if you've been in our Bible study, right now we're in the book of. Yeah, some, of the, some people didn't get it on Tuesday. That's, <laughs> some people did not get it on Tuesday. They did not. No, we're there in the book of Isaiah. And in, in Isaiah chapter 6, we spoke about this. We got to speak about this where Isaiah appears in the throne room of, 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 the, of, of the Lord Yahweh. And, and his glory is filling the temple. And it's there in that, that presence that Isaiah realizes his, even his own impurity. And, 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 and so there's a seraphim, this spiritual creature in God's divine throne room, comes with this coal that he's taken. And, 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 and Isaiah saying, I'm a man of unclean lips, and I'm a part of a crowd. I'm a part of a people who are also unclean. And so basically what happened, Isaiah gets there, and then he realizes his impurity before the Lord. I'm sure this would be the situation for many of us if we were actually taken into the throne room of God. You know, like, most of the, oh, I just can't, just, you know, we're asking God to fill the room. If we actually really got into that room, probably would be more humbled at the weight of God's actual glory. And so Isaiah says this, I'm a man of unclean lips, and I'm part of a crowd that is also unclean. And, and so what happens is that this, this seraphim comes with this burning coal, and he touches it. He places it in his mouth to show purify. He's purifying his lips. He just confessed, he humbled himself, my lips are unpure, here comes the purification. And then after that, the Lord says, oh, I, he needs someone to go to the people to send a message to, to the nation, to this unclean people. And now look, Isaiah now being purified, the Lord says, who, who, can, I, who can we send, who shall, who, who's going to go for us? And then Isaiah says, well, okay, I'm available to go. And so he gets purified, Right? And now he can deliver, look, the pure word of Yahweh to this people of unclean lips. And he's got he's to deliver that message that they're impure. And that a purification process is going to come through judgment because of their stubbornness and pride, right? We'll get there more in the next Bible study. But, but right after that in Isaiah chapter 6, the Lord says this to Isaiah. He, he, he starts to talk about the people. You know what he says about the people? He, he, he says, they hear, but they don't understand. And, and, and this is the Lord's frustration with the people. They, their heart has become calloused, and they hardly hear with their ears. And then he uses this. The Lord says, they, 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 they close their eyes. He says, if otherwise, or otherwise, they would be able to see. If their hearts weren't callous, if they opened their ears, then, then you know what? Then they would see. And then they would hear. And then he goes on to say, and they, they would understand with their hearts, and then they would turn, and then they would be healed. And this is, this, look, this is, this, is, this is the situation with Yahweh and that generation. And the past generations. 
They have eyes, they have ears, but they have callous hearts. So then look, they don't understand. And because now they don't understand, then their eyes are not open and their ears are not open. And now they're not, they're not being healed. And you know what Jesus says when his disciples say, why do you speak to us in parables? He quotes this. You're talking 700 years now in the future, and Jesus is bringing up something that was happened 700 years ago? Well, what Jesus is trying to bring up is this, that 700 years have gone by, and the crowds have changed, but the crowds are still the same. In Jesus' day, he realized that, yeah, there's a crowd there on the ocean, and there's, there's crowds around, and there's going to be crowds into the cities he goes through, and there's going to be crowds chasing him down. Look, he's going to have crowds that are filled with people that are genuine disciples trying to follow, but those crowds are going to also make up religious leaders, look, who are listening close, but not listening with the same ears as someone who's genuinely following him. This is why don't just be excited over crowds. They're not all there for the same reason. They're not, they're, they're really not. But this ain't about our little old lives and our followers either, so... I mean, that's crazy that the loudest clap we just got today was when I, we talked about how crowds follow you. That's crazy. That is crazy right now. We just dumbed down the crowds of Jesus to our followers on I don't know what. But anyway, point being is that all these years later, the crowds are the same. Look, Yahweh had a, a crowd from Israel and from Judah but they couldn't see and they couldn't hear because their hearts were callous. Jesus has a crowd on the ocean and crowds beyond that through the towns he'll visit, but Jesus knows half of these crowds, their eyes don't see and their ears don't hear because their hearts are callous. I wonder if the Spirit would say the same thing today. We got churches, we're here, but how much of the crowd really has their ears open and how much of the crowd really has their eyes open so that what? They could be healed. I can imagine his disciples saying, what does that have to do with the parables? And then Jesus goes on to tell them, you guys are blessed. They're seeing something that others wish to see. Now he's putting it in context of him as Messiah, like touching earth. Prophets spoke of Messiah. Jesus is Messiah, touching earth. And they're, they're, look, they're getting to see that and... If their hearts are open, they'll be able to hear now. So Jesus quotes Isaiah, and then he tells them, there's a time where those that don't have, it's, more is going to be taken away from them. You're like, well, well that's not fair. Well, he's, he's talking in context of, look, the person that's hardened their heart, the person with the hardened heart, they're not getting anything because of their choice to harden their heart. They're, they're not getting anything because they're refusing to listen. And so he says that, that more is going to be taken away from them. And, and actually more is going to be given to you. It's going to be given to you. Why? Because he knows the posture of their heart. So that's good. We can take that for us today. I mean, it's, it's good and bad at the same time too. If I come in here with a hardened heart, then no, I'm not going to get anything. It's, 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 it's what the truth is. If so that's why it's good for me to ask the question, why did I come to TDP today? Did I come here because I'm a pastor? Because I, did I come here because I just have a responsibility? Did I just come here because I signed up? Did I just come here because this is what I do every Sunday for the past, you know, 40 years of my life and I'm programmed to do it? Jesus would say, 
No, there's, there, there, there's words of life that I want to speak. There's a seed of my word that I want to give, and that'll give life. But if you come in here and your heart is hardened, then you'll, you'll, you'll miss it. You'll, you'll, you'll miss it. You'll be here and miss it. You'll be standing here with your eyes wide open and never see anything. Ears wide open, but hearing everything else but what God wanted to say. So why, why, why are we here? Why are you here? I know what it is to be the person I walked into church one way and left the exact same way. That means I missed to see something. That means I missed to hear something. Sometimes we think the preachers are not doing that good. That could be true. I'm not going to deny that. Sometimes the preaching's not on air. But if the Spirit is amongst us, there's something, there's definitely something that could happen in either the worship or happen in the preaching or happen in the communion or happen with, the, with, with your brother and sister. Because why? Church is not just what's happening right now. So much could be received. And if I come out here and I got nothing, Jesus is going to come and later on say, you can't blame the seed for that one. And so I got to ask, like, how's my heart? How's my heart? And... And certainly, rightfully so, so many things do affect the heart. That's just so true. Some news you could receive can harden the heart. Right? Some disagreement in your family home can, right, just could just offset you. That's, that's true. So then what we, the, the, the thing that we have to do is know that, okay, this has happened, but when I'm, com- I'm coming here because I know Jesus' word shows me the goal is that I'm healed, that I'm healed. And so the broken heart, the callous, the broken heart, the suffering heart can come in here and, and if you open up, open the eyes, open the ears, you, you, we, we can be healed. And so then what we have beautiful in this parable is then after the disciples ask him, why does he speak in parables? And he does that whole thing with Isaiah. He then says, now I'm going to tell you. I'm going to explain this parable to you. And this is great because we don't have that at every parable. We don't have Jesus explaining where it's captured that Jesus goes and he walks them through what he meant by the parable. Now for some of us, it might be like, oh, that's not fair. Well, that's the invitation. That is the invitation for the person that wants to, that wants to, where you read a parable and we don't get that Jesus is going to explain it, there's the invitation. Because his words do have meaning and he wants to teach, the parable allows us to sit down and to explore. And so what's unique here and what is beautiful is that Jesus actually explains it. So this gives no room for preachers to mess it up. And I actually was sitting on my table a long time saying, I can't mess this one up. It's one of my greatest fears that I come here and mess something up with the scripture. And while I'm sitting here with the explanation, I'm still scared. I don't want to mess it up. <laughs> so may the Lord help us. <laughs> and so Matthew 13 and verse 18, Jesus is going to explain it. We'll just read this and then we'll, this is really good. Jesus is going to explain his sermon or his parable, his teaching. In verse 18, he says, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about what? Oh. And does not what? Understand it. The 
the what? Who comes? The evil one. Now, Jesus, we have the account of this parable in Luke chapter 18. In Luke chapter 18, here it's not just ambiguous evil one. It's in Luke, Luke says in the account of this parable, it's diabolos. Anyone knows what that is? Or who? The devil, the slanderer, it's, it's identified in the explanation there. So when anyone hears this message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one, according to Luke 8, the diabolos, the devil, comes, look, and snatches away what was sown in the heart. This is the seed sown along the path. Okay, so we're going to slow down and then we're going to go into it so we know. So the first thing that, let's, let's, let's start with the seed. He's, he's given an explanation of what the seed is. The seed here is that word, the parable of the seed, really means the word and it's the message of the kingdom. Jesus explains that. So, right, he created the picture. What is the picture of? There's a sower, there's this farmer who has this seed, and and, and, this, and, 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 and in proper context of the agricultural world there, there, there are fields where seed gets sown. Now, this is interesting. A farmer in those times could have a, you know, bag of seed or thing holding seed and could literally scatter them with their hands. I thought this was cool, and I just envisioned it. Or it could be tied to an animal, and, and the animal has this sack that has the seeds and has holes, and as the animal walks out through the field, what's happening? The seed is getting spread and scattered. And so in this parable, it makes it seem like there's no animal, but I just pictured it was cute. I actually pictured Buddy with like a little sack, Jen and Josh's dog, like a little sack, and just let him out of the field, and there's just seed scattering everywhere. It's like, buddy, no, over here, but like over here. But in the, in the parable, there, there's, a, there's a sower, he, a farmer, and, now, and that makes sense to their world too. Most of us I don't know too many farmers, but this would be part of everyday life for many of them. There were fishermen, there were farmers, but also too, this kind of work represent a very lower class working people. These are not elites, these are not the prestigious you know, these represent, you know, the hardworking lower class of their society. And so you got animals out there helping to throw seed. You got farmers doing it. So this all makes sense to them. Many of them know exactly this is connecting for their everyday life. This is like me saying, you know, you work at the school. Many of you are like, oh, yeah, I know what that is. Awesome. You know, you work at Starbucks. Okay, awesome, wonderful. I, you know, I, w- I have a business. Okay, wonderful. We all, we all could get these connections. And then, you know, if Jesus would tell a parable about that, you'd be like, ah, oh, that makes so much sense, you know? And so this would really, should be able to click for many of them. But he explains now that the, that, that the seed in the parable is actually the message of the kingdom. It's the message of the kingdom. Or it's the, it's the word of the kingdom. So what's the word of the kingdom? Well, it, this is the message that Jesus has brought. This is the message that John the Baptist prepared the way for. Remember John's message? Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then when Jesus comes on, Jesus is like, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. It's, 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 it's here. Now, they would also understand that that has allusions to the messianic kingdom that's coming. So that's where you and I got to do the homework so we don't make up what we think the kingdom is, okay? So th- they would also understand that there's a, uh, there's a kingdom that's supposed to be coming through the Messiah. 
And so now John is like, hey, Messiah's kingdom is on its way. Jesus comes and is like, hey, kingdom of the Messiah is here. And so then if it's the word, right, of the kingdom or the message of the kingdom, this is the good news that the Messiah is here. Now, what does that mean for us today? Well, we also know that what happened with that good news? The good news is that the lamb, right, that John saw that would be slain and and take away the sins of the world, that happened for us. It happened. This is what Jesus was living for. This is what Jesus was going to get to. So his blood would be shed for the forgiveness of sin. So, but then we also know, right, if we kept reading and we finished our gospels, that he would resurrect. And he would, and, and that would be him, look, define death. And, 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 and there's a resurrection life in him. And those that believe in him, this resurrection belongs to them. That's, that's, that's the completing. That's more of the good news. So what is the word? What is the message of the kingdom? Well, for us, it's all of that. That's what it means to us. But what does he say happens in the parable? That the sower went out to sow the seed. So this is like someone going out to bring the message of the kingdom or to bring the good news. But then he says, it goes out, but it's not understood. The evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in the heart. He says, this is, this is, this is the seed that fell among the path. Can you put the path up? And now he's going to proceed in this parable to talk about four types of ground. So we know the seed is the message of the kingdom or the good news. Now he explains that there's seed that falls among the path. And the path is the person for him that he says never understood. Wow. The message of the kingdom goes out, but the person never understood. Now he explains why. In the parable... The seed fell on the path, and in Luke's account, it says that it got trampled under feet. Some of our older translations say wayside. Not the best translation because wayside makes you and I think of like seed just went where it didn't need to go. But in, in, in a field, there will be walking paths all throughout the field. And so while the sower is throwing seed, trying to throw it on the soil, that seed is going to get spread across the field, and it's going to land where the soil is, but it's also going to land what? Where the walking path is. And in Luke's account, it says this seed got trampled underfoot, and basically ultimately says it gets stepped on, and then birds saw it and came, and then they snatched it. That's in the parable. And probably people who are farmers like, oh, yeah, that has happened to me multiple times. When they sow the seed, they, not, not, they know not all of it is going to go under the ground. Some of it is going to get stepped on. Some of it is going to not land in fertile ground. Some of it birds are going to come snatch. And then Jesus says, when the word of God goes forth, the word of the kingdom, um, he says, the devil or the evil one comes and snatches the seed that was sown in their heart. This is interesting. That means that when we're here and we're part of the crowd, look, and the word of God is going forward, there's, there's something flying in the air, we'll say. In the parable, if, if we're just going along with the parable, there are, are birds in here that are going to try to snatch the seed that was sown so that you don't understand This is the job of the, the bird or the evil one or the diabolos. Sometimes we've, we've allowed ourselves this. 
You know, I'm just a person, I like to go to church, I'm just a person that doesn't understand the word. I'm just a person that I don't just, or I don't understand when I try to read God's word. While you might be thinking that that's just by nature of design of you and, you know, you're done feeling bad about yourself, that you're just someone that is, you know, it's just difficult for you to understand when the word of God is being preached or when you go and read. Jesus tells us that there's actually an evil one who their intention is for that not to happen. And I think this is where this parable, when we just start to think of it, how, wow, this, this could help us really process and get to some of what Jesus is tr- trying to say. Have I, have, I, have I allowed myself to believe I'm just a person that just doesn't get the word of God and fail to realize that there's an evil one flying who their sole job is that that seed never gets understood and never, look, never really gets to be fruitful in your heart. I don't read my Bible. I just wait for the Bible study and for Ben and Jesenia to talk about that. I'll just wait for them. I'm not saying that, I mean, the t- teachers are gifts to the church and they're tools for our edification. But, but we, can't, we, we can't allow now that evil one who snatched the seed also tell us a lie that we're just the person that we just don't get it. Because what often happens to the person who struggles with understanding the word of God when it's preached, taught, or when they open up their Bible, it doesn't matter what kind of translation they have, that, that may just be the evil one. And, and, and many of us have surrendered the fight, look, surrendered the fight to pursue and understand what God is saying. Look, the person that Isaiah spoke about and who Jesus brought up, their heart, look, their hearts are so hardened, they really don't want to hear or listen anyway. So now I'm going to tell the parable because, because I'm now going to say a parable because the parable, the person who does want to understand, does want to hear, does want to be able to see, that person is going to look, pursue the parable and, and, and keep up the fight with the parable until they could look, get to the word so that that, that word could really take 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 root in their heart and then produce something. But the person who gives up easy says, oh, I don't understand this. I never did. I'm not going to give it a try. I'm not even going to go to Bible study. You'll be shocked at how many people don't go to Bible study. because They told themselves they can't read it because they don't understand it. Now they're lying to themselves and say they're not going to go and listen to the teaching because they still don't understand it. They're not going to open it up on their own because they don't understand it. That diabolos That evil one, that bird, his intention is that you don't and that you look, you surrender wrestling with the parable. This is why some of us, we come to church, cameras, it's like, man, I'm not getting it anyway. Hey, how you doing? Praise God. (laughs) Like, that's a bird that's stealing how you doing? Where's your baby? I would love to hold the baby. Someone give me a baby. Like, be careful, baby, gra- baby grabbers. Like, don't, don't let the evil one seduce you with a baby. Because now you have, look, you have the baby here. Five minutes, you got the baby out there. Yeah. 
You got the baby out there. Now the mom's got the baby. The godparents got the baby. The friend who really likes the baby. The, the baby's friends are out there too. <laughs> like every, it's like, and look, the bird just carried all of us. I'm, the baby's just one thing, but some of us are sitting here with no baby, and, but there's other things here. There's, I got the game later on, fantasy football. Some of you watching your phone right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's a bird, man. And, and while sometimes, you know, we just, we just, I'm just the person, I don't get the word. Not, realize, not realizing that the intention of the Diabolos is that you don't get that word. And so then, in, in, in the parable, that seed never got understood. That seed never. And so look, look at the, how the parable works. We know this. If seed, like we're not even farmers, but you and I understand this. If a seed never gets in the ground, it never produces fruit. Right? We know that true. Look at the picture that painted. And now, now, now Jesus is saying when the word goes forward and, and, and you don't understand it, that means you could be here every Sunday, every Thursday, go to all the meetings. But if you're not understanding what's being said and you're glad to walk outside saying you had a good time seeing your brother and your friend, good. You, I'm glad you see your brother and your friend. That's part of it. But what that also is going to tell is this. You will never experience kingdom fruit in your life because you didn't understand. The Diablos got us believing it's okay to be here and not understand. Biggest, one of the biggest lies that we could give into. That it's okay for me to be here and sing, be here and worship. That, yeah, you need that too. But we, you and I need to understand something for there to be fruit in our life. But you know what? Then it makes total sense, Bishop. It makes total sense when we come in here and we have a great time but don't understand. And then it makes sense when there's a thousand phone calls of all the help that everybody needs sometimes. Or why my life is so unfruitful. I'm in the right place. I'm on the shore. Jesus is on the boat. But I didn't understand. Why bring this up? Don't settle for not understanding. Don't settle for not understanding. That's all I'm trying to tell you. I'm not even really trying to make you feel bad. Don't give up the fight on the parable. Chase it. Talk to the... Talk to the preachers of that day. Talk to the Bible study teachers of that day. Let them know like, hey, you said this. I didn't understand that. It, it felt profound. I just didn't get it. Don't settle and say, I think that was really good, but it didn't matter. No, it absolutely did. It is directly connected to the fruitfulness of your life. The bird's a liar, man. That should have been a title. Bird's a liar. Bird's a liar. Bird's a liar. That would have been more creative, right? We got season soil. It works. And, and, and that's just that person, right? Isn't that, you got, you got to feel for that. They were here and they just didn't understand. Don't, 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 don't give up on that fight. There's a lot of people here that love. And, and, and I know that you can't ask questions during the middle of the sermon or sermons in general. But there's a lot of church people that would love to sit and talk about the kingdom with you. So I just want to invite you to that. If you're the person that says, well, because when I open up the word, I don't, I don't get it. You take yourself out of Bible study. Nah, man. 
get in there. Get in there. Here, here's a brother or sister through the church who's trying to help you, look, unpack that seed. Don't tell yourself, oh, it, the Bible's just hard for me. Don't believe that lie till you die because then you, have, you may never get to experience the kingdom, how it could be experienced. Then after that, he moves. He talks about the next. He goes, the seed falling, okay, verse 13. He says, the seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone, look, who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes, because of that, look, because of the word, they quickly fall away. So here he's going to define this rocky ground. And it's the person who understood little. And say, Pastor, what do you mean by little? When we all come into the kingdom, we, we, we all just understand little, so to say, right? Like, we don't all understand all of the revelation when we say yes to Jesus. But this person understood little in the sense of didn't learn more. They, they, because why? They, they, didn't, they didn't remain. He got in on the, on, 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 look, on the word of the, the seed of the word, which would be the gospel, the word of the kingdom. And so that's where you want to be. That's not bad. It's not bad that, 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 that you came in. But then what he goes on to say is that, but it never got root. It, 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 the information st- stood little. The learning stood little. It, it, it stood shallow. Never never got rooted long enough to be able to last. Now, now what is said that when, 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 when it received, it, was, it received it with great joy. And it's, it's beautiful when we see people come into faith or they look, they hear the word of God and they receive that with a lot of joy and we celebrate them. Oftentimes then immediately or, or shortly after we have their baptism and the whole church, look, the whole church comes and it's our culture and it's the right thing to do. We come around them. We don't even have to know them and we celebrate them going beneath waters and they come back up and it's wonderful. And then after a little bit, you're like, where, where's this person? I haven't seen them. Well, here's the sad thing. Some of us don't even notice. We don't even notice that the person came in with great joy and they're not here anymore. Look, they received the kingdom with joy. We received it together with them in joy. We all clapped. We all shouted. This is great. Another one for the kingdom. But then look, no no one reached out to that person to see where they're at in their faith. They stopped coming to the church after, you know, they, they felt good about coming to the church and they knew they needed to get, make a, a recommitment to the Lord or trust the Lord. But then, look, they disconnect from the church. The church disconnects from them. And look, all that joy within a matter of time, no fruit in their life. Because what happens after that? Well, you give your life to Jesus and you know what happens? Trouble does come. Jesus never promised that there's no trouble because you receive the seed of his word in, his, in the kingdom. This parable alone will teach us that trouble and persecution will come. And so in the, the rocky ground represents this person who, yes, excited, but never got rooted. And so then how long do they last? Only a short time. 
And, and, and what takes them out is that they don't have, they, they, they never got rooted. They never went deep. They, they, it's too short, too short. So part of the kingdom, when we invite people to come into the kingdom, it's not who would like to re- receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Every, I mean, most people want that. They don't want to feel guilty. And I do think it's partly our fault when we don't tell them that it's the journey of their life after that, where God wants to grow them and transform them and renew their mind and change them. That, that alone right there will, will give someone the, the, the awareness like, whoa, this is a yes, and it's a whole new life and a whole new pursuit. It's not just what you feel at the moment. And so look, that's why it's good that we tell people there's a family here that wants to come alongside you. This is why it's good that we do have a real system of community here so that people, look, can, can get rooted in God through the church. And we have systems that support them getting grounded. But if we have nothing, if we just come in, walk out, just get here, what's for us? How in the world can someone get rooted in Christ if the people who just preach Christ to them are not rooted themselves? That's just sloppy and messy. And I know Jesus wouldn't approve of that. And look, all the joy, but then look, when trouble comes, because trouble will come, when persecution comes, then they don't remain. How many of us been this person? Maybe years ago, you were that person, gave your life to Christ 10 years ago, and you're, you're here now getting rooted. Can anyone actually raise their hand that, that they trusted in the Lord before, but then something caused them to, to persecution, trial, life happening, caused them to short-lived experience with God, but now you're here and you're rooted. Raise your hand. I said, look at that. Look how beautiful. Look how beautiful. Look how beautiful. And that takes time to develop roots. It doesn't happen overnight. We all come into the kingdom, and it's what we understand is little, but the purpose is this perseverance needs to. But we have a part in that, church. We have a part in that when people come in here, acknowledging them. It can't just be, hey, we just want to see hands go up so that we could write how many salvation experiences we have. And we know we got, you know, five salvation experiences this week. And then just go on to next week, wait and tally more. And we don't know none of those people. That's probably not going to help cater to them getting grounded. Then he moves on from there. He says, Verse 22, the seed falling among the thorns, look at this, refers to the person who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. This one was very interesting. He talks about this ground that the seed fell among the thorns. And, and, and what ends up happening is what's going to, it's going to start to grow, but it's going to get choked out by these thorns. And he explains that this is the person who then the worries of life just overtook them. Look, deceitfulness of wealth. Come and look. Now, choke the word that they received. And we know the word was the gospel. So it's like, oh, okay, someone receives the good news of the gospel, and so they're ready to put their faith in that, begin that journey, and as they start living, it's not that a trial comes and knocks them out. It it, it gives the illusion like, okay, the stony ground didn't have root. This one seems to have root and start to be fruitful, and then it's the thorns that come around and look, and and now 
are choking this thing out, and then there's no fruitful life to look at. And so if the path represents the person who never understood, never got, uh, got to understand, the rocky ground represents the person who understood little, then the one that falls among the thorns is the person who believed they understood. They, they, they thought they understood. They thought they understood the gospel. They thought they understood the kingdom. They thought they understood the message of Christ, and that probably got them going. But then while over here, here's the kingdom, here's what God is doing, here's God's will, then it's the distraction of the worries of life and then the deceitfulness of wealth in this world. It's like, oh. And, and, and this is it's a place that's, that's tough because you're processing things of the kingdom, but then you're also processing the worries look, and the allurement of wealth in this world. Look, the securities. Isn't that interesting? Here is where you trust God. You trust God that he is your creator. You trust God that he is your provider. You trust God that he has your best intention. But then you live life and you're like, wait, but I'm worried about this and I'm worried about that. But there's this message about the kingdom here that I trusted. Praise God. Go to church. Feel good. Then go home. Like, But I'm really worried about these things. And you know what? This world offers riches and riches can take care of that. So maybe I'll just. And now, now you become the person who said yes to the good news. But all your trust is in the earthly world you go to church but you really don't we we don't trust god right this is a person who has they bring we're here we're here but inside we really don't trust him for the for the things that worry our heart and don't trust them for the for the securities that are promised so to say in him we're trusting in in, in wealth, we're trusting in riches, we're trusting in our own security, and all of our, look, all of our mind and soul is being taken here, yet we say we believe in the kingdom. This person thinks they understand. They really don't understand how the kingdom works. That, look, all trust, all security, all confidence, the thing that helps us with worry, it's, it's, it's here. Not more of these things or not more of job security, so to say. They think they understand the kingdom, but they don't. But ultimately, this person, what well, gets choked out by the thorns, and there's not a lot of fruit in their life. It's, it's amazing how Jesus could just tell a story about something that really happens on that field with farmers, and him use it to mean all of this. And we got him to explain it. Then he says, the last one, but the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word, and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sold. Now, in all these instances, a hundred, sixty, or thirty, that would be, in that context, that would be so much crop. So, for someone saying, oh, only thirty? What about the guy who got a hundred? No, thirty would be so much in this parable that the person who did a hundred was just like ridiculous. Like, that doesn't even make sense. The 30 would be like, whoa, then 60, whoa, 100, nah. But you know it's a story, so there's a point that he's trying to make. Meaning the person look, that does hear and gets understanding, look, and obviously does not turn into, that, that person who hears, it doesn't turn into a path situation, doesn't turn into a rocky ground situation, doesn't turn into being choked among the thorns. That person 
It's not, it's not meant to imply, oh, the person that just sits here and gets it in one shot, that's the person who's going to be fruitful, too bad for all of y'all. No, 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 no. The unfruitfulness is coming from, yes, the path, yes, the rocky, yes, the thorns. This person who hears and understands means that this person did not become. Look, when the, this person who, who bore fruit here, this person, probably at first it started out and they didn't understand it. But look, they wrestled with the parable. They didn't surrender the fight with the word. And, and now they truly understand. He who has ears to hear. Let him hear. He who has eyes to see, let them see. But this is also the person who produced fruit, right? Because they didn't just stay at understanding a little and stay shallow. They, 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 they remained through trial and tribulation, and now they could bear fruit. This, is, this one bearing fruit now is, doesn't mean that this person never faced trial and tribulation. You should get through the parable that trial and tribulation is going to come and that could bring worry to you. And look, the world is going to offer riches and wealth to bring your security. But this person wrestled through that and, 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 and now they're understanding the, not just the gospel or just the message of the kingdom coming, but they're understanding the kingdom. And look, what it's doing is producing fruit in their life. Look, fruit that they couldn't even imagine. Why? Because look, they, 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 they didn't give up the fight. They, they got past the, oh, this feels great moment and, and, and remained through some challenges. Look, when the, when the worry started to come and fly over their head, an offer of wealth and riches, you know, to secure them, they, they turned themselves still towards the kingdom. And look, now their lives are ready to bear fruit. And this is, Jesus is, that's wild that he's got all those crowds there and he looks at them and he's like, he can probably see. In, in that crowd of people, he probably saw all that type of ground there. He also had the Pharisees and religious leaders part of his crowd and those people, they were listening but only to trap him and to kill him. So the crowd, the crowd, uh, having a big crowd doesn't tell us everything. And sometimes that's just what we pursue, to fill a place up and just assume that because, or, or look, having riches and wealth don't tell us everything. The religious leaders of Jerusalem and the northern kingdom, they thought they were okay because they looked back and they saw their, their, their treasuries full and they said, oh, we must be doing something good. We're, we're good with God because treasuries are there. But they were being choked out by the, the allurement of wealth in their world. And they're thinking they're okay because physically, th physical things are happening for them. But deep down inside, they're drying up and they're bearing no fruit. And it comes down to this. We, we got we to gotta remain, rem remain. You heard the message. Did you remain in it? Did you remain in the word that you heard? I'm not saying you're going to remember everything that every preacher says. Or, or is this just checking in for many of us and then checking out and we'll just wait. Hopefully it goes good again next week. That would be so bad if that's the cycle that you and I fall into. Do you see how detrimental that would be? That's then just religious routine, not connected at the... At the heart. So next time you get ready for 
when we congregate as a church, I don't, it doesn't matter if it's encounter night. It doesn't matter if it's Bible study. It doesn't matter. Even when we pray, even when we're coming to prayer, it, it does matter what we understand. Like, it, it does matter how much we're really engaged. Because our, us getting to the understanding of what the Spirit wants to teach is what's going to produce the fruit in your life. That is where the fruit's going to come from. Not because you volunteer week in and week out. If we get to the understanding, then when we're volunteering, then, then, then yeah, it's all coming together. If we sing and, and we're understanding, then it's all coming together. If we understand and then we fellowship, then it's all coming together. But if we don't understand, all of it all hinges on our ability to understand. And like I said, it doesn't, this doesn't mean like you, that we're going to be the people. You know how, many time, how, how long I sit down to understand something? 95% of the time, I don't get it. I got to sit there and read, and I, gotta, I got four Bibles open and three commentaries open, and because I don't, it doesn't come easy for me to understand. I just, have to, I just had to learn how to remain there, look, how to re- wrestle with the parable, wrestle with it, knowing that, look, the bird doesn't want me to, and if I don't understand, could I, could I have just lost that round? And eventually, his lie is, he wants to bring you to the point that it doesn't even bother you that you don't understand. That it's okay not to understand. But that would be one of his biggest lies. Let me read you just some words of Jesus, and we'll end. Jesus in John 15 would say this. Remain in me as I also remain in you. Jesus is making the commitment. Look at the covenant. You remain in me as I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. This is almost like another parable. He's a vine, use of branches, those that remain bear fruit. Those that don't are like branches that just get tossed away and then put into the fire. They're, they're useless. I mean, when, when leaves, at certain seasons, leaves and branches are going to start falling off the trees. And we know once they're disconnected from the tree, they're no, they're no benefit on the ground. So what we do, we just rake up the leaves and get rid of the branches. I love fall, but I, I don't like what fall does to my yard and to the lawn. I wonder what Jesus means by remain in me. I wonder what he means by remain. I wonder if, if Jesus said that so that the hearers of that could ask that very question. What does it even mean to remain in you? Here you go with your parable again, Jesus. 
sure he hoped that they would begin to explore what does it mean to remain in him. And I can't imagine the beauty of what that even means, to remain in him. My prayer is that as we read this, here's the invitation of another parable. And Jesus didn't really just go out and explain that. And now here are the branches, and here it's me remain, and here. <laughs> he didn't do that, I'm not going to do that. But he said it because it was meant for the hearers to say, wow, what does it mean to remain in you? And there's the invitation for them to explore that beautiful journey with remaining. I invite you to, to that journey. He says this in verse 7, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. What? What, what does this mean? And this, this is my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Wow, I got to explore this parable out some more. But what I do know now is that when that seed goes in, the goal is that I understand it because that is what's going to bear fruit. But then now I also know that bearing fruit is the thing that testifies that I'm a disciple of Jesus. The fruit identifies that I'm with Jesus. He doesn't say go to church every week. It says that I, it's, it's bearing fruit shows that I'm a disciple of Jesus. Galatians in Galatians, Paul says something about fruit too. And he would say that that fruit is a, is, is, is a spirit of love. It's joy. There's peace. Patience. Kindness. Goodness. Faithfulness. Gentleness. Self-control. Can you imagine we just took time to explore those? So, so fruit then is not just something, information that we know. It begins with it. You got to understand it so it can bear fruit. But then fruit then becomes something in reality. And that fruit is attributed to things of the spirit. Not just a fruitful, successful life in our world. Scriptural fruit is associated to that of the spirit. Here's an invitation for you to explore what does that mean? The spirit of love. What does, what does that mean? Wrestle with the parable. What does joy mean? What does peace mean? What does patience, kindness, goodness, faith, what does that mean? Take that journey. I invite you to. Let's stand, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the grace of today, Lord. We thank you because we know that it was your spirit that brought us here, Lord. We know that, Lord. Even if maybe some of us have been here just out of routine, I know what it is to be that person. Maybe some of us are here because it's just kind of this rhythm. But I also know what it is to be here in my heart, not be connected or a season where my heart was calloused, Lord. But nonetheless, we came to the right place, Lord, at the right time because you're here, Lord. And you, Father, you, 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 sh 
We, we looked on this parable, Lord God. But we know that you said it so that the hearers of the parable, Lord God, could explore, Lord, and lean into what your spirit was trying to say. We thank you that we have this parable of the sower that you explain, Lord. And you told us that the seed is your word, Lord. And that the grounds, Lord, represent different hearts. Some hearts were the the devil himself is trying to snatch so that we don't understand. Some grounds, Lord, are us that we we hear things and we're excited, Lord, but we don't we don't remain. We stay shallow, we don't go deep. And then when trial and persecution come, Lord God, our faith is wrecked and we turn away. Some of that ground represents us, Lord, who we think we know what your kingdom's about. We think we're sure, we think we're confident, we think we trust, Lord. But then here comes the worries of this world and the struggles of this life, Lord, and then we trust in other things. We trust riches and wealth to for our security, Lord, and we make alliance with false hopes, Lord. So then we're unfruitful too, Lord. We're getting choked out by the cares and the worries. Father, today I pray for every person, for all of our hearts, for all of our grounds, Lord, that we would be good ground today, Lord. That even for those that feel that they wrestle with understanding the word, Lord, may they stay in that wrestling and may they not give up, Lord. May they pursue, Lord, to understand the gospel message, Lord, but also to understand the words of life that you have spoken. When we do this as a church, Lord, whether it's a service or in study or even in prayer, Lord, may we also be able to hear what the Spirit is saying through prayer, Lord. For you speak, Lord, by your Spirit, Lord. Father, we want to be people that our eyes see and our ears hear. Father, if there's any callous in our hearts, Lord, if there's any callous in us, Lord, you know what that is. Different things can callous the heart. I can't imagine. Soften our hearts, Lord. Make, give us hearts of flesh. Give us hearts of flesh as the prophets know, saw that you would do, Lord. Your prophets saw the heart of stone turn into a heart of flesh. So, Father, may that be happening for us, Lord. So, look, we can understand and be transformed by the, that renewal in our minds, Lord. So, Lord, that we could bear fruit and that fruit be testimony that we are disciples and followers of you, Jesus. If there's any person in here that has never put their faith in you, or if they once did and walked away, Lord, the bird came and snatched, the trial came, the care of this world came. Today, Lord God, may they have heard the word of the kingdom, the word of the good news, the gospel, that you are the lamb that was slain, Lord. You take away the sins of this world, Lord. So if there's someone in here, may they confess that with their mouth and believe it in their heart, Lord. And your word tells us, Lord, that then we will be saved. May they know that this is a gift that comes only from God. It doesn't come from, from ourselves. We can't work for this and we can't boast. If there's someone in here, may they trust in you and receive the seed of your word 
may we be a church that has systems and support and community that helps them walk in that journey. That person is here today, let them know that there's a community of faith ready to come alongside with them. There are people that love the word of God, ready to come alongside with them. People who love to pray, ready to come alongside with them. Uh, people that love to worship in spirit and truth, ready to come alongside of them, Lord. Save them today. Wash them by your blood, Lord. Give them eternal life, Lord, today, Lord, because of you, Jesus. This is the power of the gospel, Lord. It saves sinners, Lord. It heals the brokenhearted, Lord. And it delivers us from the bondage of sin. So set us free, Lord God. May your spirit be in this room, Lord, that will set the captives free, Lord. Whether they're coming to you now or they've been in you and they're, they're, they're holding on, set the captives free. I also want to pray for people who have sickness and infirmity in their bodies right now. Pain in their bodies, Lord, right now. Forgive us if we are the ones that take that have that our actions have, 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 have done this to ourselves, Lord. Sometimes we're not careful. We neglect the gift of the body, Lord. So we repent of that, Lord. And we ask you, Lord God, to bring healing in our bodies, Lord, from all sickness and disease, Lord. And in all of this, Lord, may you be glorified. May the weight of your glory be that we bear fruit, that we are your disciples. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. God bless you.